Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis by sending a donation at support.greatdetectives.net. You can also become one of our ongoing monthly contributors at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Nightbeat. The original air date is July the 20th of 1950, and this one is City at Your Fingertips. Wheaties presents Nightbeat. On stage tonight from Hollywood, Nightbeat. Another in the Wheaties' big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Night Beat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the Night Beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many ways. That night, my story began with the innocent ringing of my telephone. I didn't know that on the other end of the line was death. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. When you get up and stretch and find your way to the kitchen tomorrow, reach for the Wheaties. Lay spoon to a whole wheat. Whole wheat that can help make a difference all morning long. Start a good breakfast with Wheaties for the roll-up-your-sleeves kind of energy that can make the morning go smoother. There's a whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. You got it? A whole kernel of wheat in every Wheaties flake. That's why Wheaties can do so much. That's why Wheaties at 7 can really help at 11. Tumble out those golden flakes, pour on the milk, put on the fruit, pick up the spoon, and smile. You're getting nourishment to help send you through the morning on high. You do it. Help yourself to breakfast of champions and see how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. It was my night off. I locked the door, pulled down the window shades of my six-buck-a-week ivory tower and took the cork from a bottle of, uh, well, Mother Jones' soothing stomach syrup. And reached for, you should pardon the expression, a book. Oh, what the heck, a lot of people read books. School children, for instance. Tonight, some other poor sucker was walking the night beat. And as far as I was concerned, the whole world could take a walk. But as it turned out, the joke was on me. The world took a walk, all right. Right into my snug little ivory tower. It began modestly enough with the ringing of my telephone. Yeah? Randy? This is Matt Cummel. Where have you been? Oh, look, Mr. Editor, I'm on my own time. I called every redhead in town. I called every bar and grill. I called the police station, the county hospital, the morgue. Where have you been? Well, you found me, Matt, at home. Oh, that's great. That's great. You'll never guess who's looking for you. Okay, I'll never guess. Mr. D. Stout's come to town. 
Edward, the stout, our distinguished uh, publisher? That's right. Mm-hmm. And he wants to talk to you about that night beat stint of yours. What about it? Well, he's got some ideas. Maybe he wants to expand it into a column. He's only going to be in town until tonight, so he wants you to phone him right away. Hand over 23820. You got it? Yeah, uh, what are we calling him this season? Father of the Waters, Star of Stars, or just plain Bill? Randy, call him right away. It sounded important. <laughs> okay. Now long. Hmm. Uh, good evening, Mr. DeStout. Your humble servant, Mr. DeStout. <laughs> now drop dead, Mr. DeStout. <laughs> Jerry's on that garage. Garage? Uh, is this, uh, Andover 23820? No, this is 38290. You must have dialed wrong. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. 23820. Busy. Well, I'd have to try again in a couple of seconds, so I didn't even bother putting the receiver back on the hook. And from that little thing, it all began. I started thinking, isn't it funny how by just missing one number on the dial, instead of getting a millionaire publisher with ulcers, I got Jerry's all-night garage? What would have happened if I dialed seven instead of nine? Then who would have answered the phone? It was a strange thought. Through this little dial, the whole city was at my fingertips. I remembered reading somewhere that there were six million telephone combinations on one dial. Then on the spur of the moment, I did a dumb thing. I spun the dial seven times in rapid succession without even looking at the numbers. And the phone started ringing. I had a connection. Where was it ringing? Who had destiny chosen to get my call? (laughs) Some frowsy little gal crying her eyes out in the back bedroom? A dozing night watchman in an office closed for the night? Was my call interrupting a family brawl in some dark flat on the north side? Was it breaking up the sleep of some poor guy working a night shift? Well, wherever it was ringing, there was no answer. So I tried dialing to Stout's number again. I thought, what a swell idea for a column. The whole city at your fingertips. Still busy. So, again, just for the fun of it, and without looking at the phone, I dialed seven times. Hey, what is this? What? Oh, I thought... What do you want? Oh, nothing, nothing. I must have dialed the wrong number. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Don't hang up. Maybe you can help me. Help you? What is it? My life's in danger. Come again? I've got to have a doctor right away. Well, I'll call one for you. But I can't have any doctor. I've got to call one who would understand. One who wouldn't betray Fred. Then why don't you call Fred's doctor? I've called Dr. Bechtel. Bechtel? Yes, Russell Bechtel. He's Fred's doctor. But his nurse says he's out on a call and she doesn't know where to reach him. I couldn't tell her the trouble I'm in. She wouldn't understand. She'd only tell me to call the police. The police? Yes. Fred's had one of his attacks. He's threatened to kill me again. And this time he's he's gone for a gun. Oh, then, sister, you better call the police. No. They put Fred away for good and I couldn't stand that. I'd rather be dead. Oh, 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 I, I get it. Oh, you catch on fast. Who put you up to it, honey? Sounds like the boys on the police beat. Listen, you've got to believe me. Does it say so in the Constitution? Look, I'm pretty busy. Please, please, you've got to. You've just got to. You've got to. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How could this be a gag? You didn't call me. I called you. I swear 
But keep talking. Look, I don't know who you are or how you happen to call this number, but if you don't help me, I'm finished. All Fred needs is a doctor, uh, one we can depend on. Fred's been sick for a long time. When he gets these spells, he temporarily goes out of his mind. And Dr. Bechtel can always snap him out of it. Well, we'll call him. But I told you I can't reach Dr. Bechtel. Well, uh, Oh, you must believe me. And you've got to promise not to call the police. What are you talking about? If your life's really in danger, of course I'll call the police. All right, then just forget the whole thing. Goodbye. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't hang up. Just give me a chance to catch my breath, will you? Now, let me see. Yes? Uh, well, okay, you sound, well, you, you sound like a good kid. Maybe I can get you to a doctor, uh, my doctor, uh, Lawrence Blair. Will he do as I say? Yeah, yeah, but I better be able to tell him a few things about this, or he'll just tell me to go to bed with an ice bag and a couple of aspirins. Now, just who is this guy, Fred? He's my husband, Fred Schwery. He threatened to kill you? Yes, as soon as he returns. Why don't you get out of the house before he returns? I'm not in my house. Oh? We were out driving when he got this spell. Oh, it was terrible. Terrible. All right, all right, now try to relax. Now tell me about it. He started accusing me of, of, of not loving him anymore. And he threatened me like a madman. Yeah? And then he drove me to the studio and locked me in. Said he was going for a gun to kill me. Where is this studio? I'm not sure. I didn't watch closely. I was pleading with him all that time. Oh, fine. That makes it Danny. I never knew about the studio. He's, yeah. a, he's a commercial artist. I guess he came here to work. See, we've only been married for three months. Well, aren't there any windows you can break through and get out? No, it's on the eighth floor. Well, what about the fire escape? It's at the end of the building. I pounded on the door and tried to get help, but no one's come. We haven't lived in this city very long. I've called a few friends we know, but no one's home. I don't know what to do. Now, look, there's no time for that. I'm going to get my doctor over to you. I've got to know where you are. Now, you go and look out the window for any identifying landmarks that would help us find you. All right, all right. But please don't hang no, up. No, I won't hang up. Now, go on. Step on it. While I waited for her to return, I opened my collar and I loosened my tie. What had I gotten into? Me? Nothing. But what about that poor kid? Why wasn't she back on that phone? Where was she? Come on, lady. Lady. Where was she? And then she was back. Hello? Yeah. Oh, I was so afraid you'd hung up. Well, now do you have any idea where you are? Well, there's a big warehouse directly across from this building. Yeah. And about a block east of here, I can see a radio tower. But I can't quite make up the name on it. A radio tower? What else? Well, there's just the usual apartment buildings along the street. But on the corner, there's a large supermarket. A supermarket? Anything else? Um, yes, there's a park a few blocks away. Looks like Lincoln Park. And the building you're in now, can you tell me anything about it? It's white brick. And there are two more floors above this one. All right, okay, we'll be able to find you. I'll call my doctor right away. He knows the city better than the guys who built it. He'll find you. And I'm going to stay right here at this phone. If anything goes wrong, I want you to call me right away. You understand? Yes, yes, I will. My number is Butterfield 13003. Have you got that? Butterfield 13003. That's right. But remember now, I'm depending on you not to call the police. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if you do, I'll deny everything. Maybe that sounds crazy, but you don't know how much I love Fred. How wonderful he is to me. Well. Yeah, well, Kit, nothing sounds crazy to me anymore. I'm even ready for that thing about the storks. Now, don't forget to call me right back if you need me. I'll call my doctor right away. All right. When I hung up the phone, I was ready for a blood transfusion. I tried to light a cigarette, but the match shook so much you'd have thought I was signaling somebody. But then as I reached for the phone book to call my doctor, I started thinking again. I said, oh, Randy, it's too pat to be true. I couldn't help imagining that someplace a room full of practical jokers were doubled up in laughter over the way the girl had taken me in. But how could that be when I called her? 
Well, just the same, I'd better check. She said her doctor was Russell Bechtel. Before I called my doc, I'd call this fellow Bechtel just to make sure. I found his number in the book. Dr. Bechtel's office? Yes. Who's calling, please? I'm a newspaper man on the store. I'd like to talk to the doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. He's not in now. He's out on a call. Can I help you? Well, maybe. Um, does the doctor have a patient named Fred Schwery? Well, these things are confidential. Uh, yes, look, ma'am, there's no time for that. A few moments ago, I spoke to Fred Schwery's wife. Uh, well? She told me that Schwery had gone into a violent fit of some kind. Uh, he's had another attack? Yes, he's got her locked in his studio, and he's gone for a gun. The killer. You mean she was telling me the truth? I mean, Fred Schwery's a dangerous paranoic. He's had three attacks in the last two months. Why wasn't he put away? Oh, the doctors begged that girl to commit him to asylum, but she's so stubborn. You know the address of Schwery's studio? No. Uh, the doctor might. Well, but uh, I have no way of reaching him till he calls in. Our records show only Mr. Schwery's home address. All right, thank you. Will you please call me back if you reach the doctor? My number is Butterfield, 13003. Well, I don't know. She wants me to get my own doctor out there. She gave me enough landmarks to find the place. Oh, then you'd better hurry. Because if Schreyer's had another one of his attacks, and he gets to that girl with a gun, you'll never find her alive. Yes, yes, I know. Goodbye, thank you. So, the poor kid had been telling me the truth. I know I ought to call the police, but I remembered her saying that if I did, she'd deny ever talking to me. Yes, and maybe she was stubborn like the nurse said, but she was also a mighty brave kid. I started looking through the phone book for my doctor's number. Black, Blaine, oh, where is it? Is it Blair, Jasper, Lawrence? There it is, Dr. Lawrence Blair, Radcliffe 41079. Before I could dial the number, my phone started ringing. Yeah? I can only talk for a second. I was looking down. I just saw Fred drive up in the car. It's too late for the doctor. Yeah, but not for the police. I'll call him right away. No, you can't. But don't you see your life is in danger? If he's insane, he's got to be restrained. Oh, please. No, no, I refuse to. Then I'll tell Fred the police are coming for him. And give him a chance to get away. But you don't understand. I only understand that I love Fred. Nothing else matters one bit. I've talked him out of these attacks before, and I'm going to try to do it again. All right, all right. How much time do you want? Give me half an hour. No, uh, 15 minutes. If you don't call back in 15 minutes, I'll know you're in trouble, and I'll have the police out there at once. 15 minutes. All right, now I've got to hang up. He's unlocking the door. Now remember, 15 minutes. Yes, yes. General Mills is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Salesmen can sell better, farmers can farm better, housewives can housewife better on a better breakfast. Sure, and sure as you start with Wheaties, you're going to have a good start to a better breakfast. Yup, whatever you do, whatever your job, do it better, smoother, easier with Wheaties to help. Because there's a whole kernel of wheat for every Wheaties flake. And what a difference that can make. Whole wheat protein for vigor and stamina. Whole wheat vitamins and minerals for vitality. Naturally, it makes a difference. Naturally, you should feel a bright and pleasing difference in your morning with whole wheat Wheaties tucked inside. Have some and see. You'll enjoy yourself, too. 
They're good to get up to, these golden flakes. Crisp, you know, not sweet. Fill those breakfast bowls with Wheaties, pour on the milk, put on the fruit, and eat happy. Yes, eat happy and work happy. It's likely to be a brighter morning when you've had your Wheaties. Thousands of people think so, too. Get up and go, folks, people with things to do and places to go. They're getting breakfast of champions in the morning. Are you? Get yours. Starting tomorrow, see how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. Wheaties, breakfast of champions. And now, back to Night Beat and Randy Stone. This time I'd hit the jackpot in spades. I was just doodling on the phone, spinning the dial without even watching it, when I got a girl waiting to be killed by her crazed husband. I promised to wait 15 minutes to give her a chance to snap the guy out of it, and if I didn't hear from her at the end of that time, I was to call the police. I wasn't sure my watch was right, so I dialed for the correct time. At the tone, the time will be 6.05. My watch was a couple of minutes slow. I reset it exactly. 6.05. Okay, if I didn't hear from her by 6.20, I'd call the police. Her husband was with her now. I could close my eyes and see that madman threatening her life in that studio. I felt my stomach cramp up like a troop of Boy Scouts were practicing their nuts. Why had I promised to wait? Maybe this was her. I felt tiny chills race up and down my fingers as I reached for the phone. Yeah? I want to speak to Margie. Huh? Tell her, tell her how. Go on, go on, call the phone, you hear me? Look, pal, you've got the wrong number. So long. Wait a minute, wait, just wait a minute. Look, will you hang up? Don't give me none of your lip, missus. Just call Margie to the phone. I'm expecting an important call. Hang up. Yeah, well, let me tell... Dope. Ah, what time was it? 6.07. I took the watch off my wrist and set it on the telephone table under the lamp so I could see it easily. I watched the tiny hands circling so slow. 6.08... What was happening in that studio? This might be her. Yeah? This is a nationwide radio survey. What's that? Are you listening to your radio? Will you please hang up? I'm expecting an important call. Oh, I'm sorry to bother you, sir. Thank you. What if she'd call when someone else was on the phone? I had to keep the line clear. Uh, Operator, I'm expecting a very important call during the next ten minutes, and I don't want to receive any other calls. Can you help me? Is the call you're expecting long distance, sir? Uh, No, it's local. It would be impossible to block out your line for local calls, sir, because then the call you're waiting for would be unable to come through. Oh, yes, yes, I hadn't thought of that. Thank you. Bye. 6.09. Had only one minute gone by. I could feel my nerves tightening up like someone was turning a screw. She should be calling soon. What was happening to her? Miss Wary? I want to speak to Margie. Didn't I tell you? You've got the wrong number. Now get off the line and stay I off. I got the right number, all right, smart guy. You just put my telephone, you hear me? You tell, 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 tell. Why doesn't that bum stop calling? Why didn't he stop? Oh, okay. Come on, relax, kid. Relax. 612. Why had I promised to wait? I should be calling the cops right now. Operator? Uh, what do I dial for the police department? You dial 211, sir. 
No, not yet. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was just wondering about it. Thank you. I promised her I'd wait. Maybe she could control the guy, but why wasn't she calling? 6.13. Time was passing so slow. Oh, if that's that drunk again. I'll... Who is it? Stone, what are you trying to do to me? Get me fired? Oh, Matt, it's you. Yeah, your boss and editor. Who are you expecting? Truth or consequences? Now, look, Matt, hang up, will you? I'm waiting for a call. Waiting for a call? Yeah. What's wrong with you, Randy? Didn't I tell you to call Mr. Destout? He's waiting for your call, you crazy loon, yep. and you know how our honored publisher likes to be kept waiting. Yeah, I haven't time to explain, man. Don't explain anything. Get on that phone and call Andover 23820. Now, that's an order. He just called and tore into me. He asked me if he was expected to phone you. He's pouting up there, Randy, uh. feeling abused. And you know what happens when Mr. DeStout feels abused. Yes, all right, all right. Hang up, Matt. You'll call him. Yes, right away. Hang up. Okay, and after you talk to him, call me back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I looked at my watch, 6.17. There was just three minutes left to get her call. I couldn't phone to Stout now. What if she should phone when I was talking to someone else? What if she had only that one chance and all she got was a busy signal? No, I couldn't call now. Hello. Uh, hello. Is this the Stone residence? Yes, yes. What do you want? Uh, I'd like to speak to Mrs. Stone, if you don't mind. There isn't any Mrs. Stone. Look, I'm very busy. Uh, no, Mrs. Stone. Yes, but some other time. I, I, I beg your pardon. I, I'm very busy now. Oh, this won't take but a tiny moment, and I have so many calls to make. Now, look, madam. Uh, I've been appointed by our local committee to call you about the coming election, to ask you to cooperate with us in our drive to register all voters regardless of party. Madam, I'm not old enough to vote. <laughs> but if we all vote, then don't you see we can do something? Look, I'm going to have to hang up. Uh, but for heaven's uh, sake. Some other time. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you better hang up for me again. Will you stop calling this number? 6.19, and she hasn't called. I'm going to wait for one more minute to pass, and then I'm going to call the police. Hello. Randy Stone? Yes? I asked Matt Cummel to have you call me, Mr. Stone, but apparently you were unable to. This is Edward DeStout speaking. Oh, the big boss. Oh, no. What's that? Ah, uh, yes, Mr. DeStout. I was going to call you as soon as I had the time. As soon as you had the time? Well, I must say, that's not exactly flattering, Stone. I'd rather imagine Mr. That... DeStout, I'm expecting a very important phone call. There are and people I... who think that a call from me is also rather important. Can I call you in five minutes? And what am I supposed to do? Just sit here waiting for your call like a, like a lackey? I believe Connell told you I was leaving tonight. But, Mr. DeStout... So we'll talk now, if you don't mind. Look, instead of talking about this on the phone, how about me taking a cab over to your place as soon as my call comes through? We could talk it over much easier. Oh, I think we can handle the matter over the phone very nicely. But we can't handle it over the phone, don't you see? A girl's life is at stake, and you prattle on like we had all day. A girl's life at stake, is it? Yes. I've heard about your talents for invention, Mr. Stone, but I don't think I enjoy the idea of you practicing them on me. Look, DeStout, I'm afraid I'm going to have to do something else you won't enjoy. I'm afraid I'm going to have to hang up. I wouldn't do that. What time is it now? 6.21. It couldn't be. I couldn't have talked to him that long. Oh, hurry, 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 hurry. At the tone, the time will be 6.21 and one half. 6.21 and one half. Well, I've kept my part of the bargain. Sergeant Harris speaking. Oh, Harris, this is Randy Stone. Listen to me closely. We don't have any time to lose. What's up, kid? You better send out an all-points alarm on this. It's got to be fast. Hey, slow down, slow down. I can't understand you. Look, a while ago, I spoke to a girl on the phone. She told me her life was in danger. 
She was locked in a studio and her husband was coming there to kill her. Easy now, easy. I gotta write this down. You gotta move fast and we're not gonna make it. Go on. This husband of hers, he's insane. He he became violent. How long ago did you talk this dame? Fifteen minutes ago. Why don't you call us right away? I'll tell you all about it later. We gotta get to her. Okay. What's the address of this studio? I don't know her address. It's the first time I ever spoke to her. Stone, you've been drinking. No, no, I'm telling you the truth. So how are we supposed to find her? Well, she gave me a landmark she saw from her window. She gave me enough so you guys can get right to her. All right. What are they? All right, now let me see. She said her window looks right out on the blank walls of a warehouse. Mm, whose warehouse? Well, she didn't say. Oh, that's a big help. Next. Well, she could see the tower of a radio station about a block away. Mm, could she make out the call letters of the station? No. That's no good. What else? What do you mean, no good? How many stations you got on your radio stone? Mm. What else? Well, there's a supermarket down the street, a big supermarket. Supermarkets are all over the place. Yeah, but this one's near Lincoln Park. What does that mean, the whole north side's near Lincoln Park? What else? Nothing else. You add all those things up, it's got to lead you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, we can find her all right in three or four hours. But that's no good. In fact, she hasn't called back, means she's in trouble. If you don't get there right away, it'll be too late. Hey, hey, wait. What? Why, we're a couple of doves. What do you mean? She called you, what you call her? I call her. Okay, we're in business. Huh? We'll have a squad car out to that studio in three minutes. I don't get it. You call her, don't you see? Uh, All you got to do is give us her phone number, and through the phone company, we can trace down her address in 30 seconds. What number did you call? What? What number did I call? Come on, Stone, come on. We've got to move. But I, I don't know what number I called. I, I didn't even look at the dial. Come on, Stone, speak up. What number did you call? I don't know what number I called. You don't know? Don't you understand? I don't know. I'll never know. What? I, uh, I was doodling with the phone, and she answered. Just have to try to find her with the information you gave us. Well, it's going to take a long time, but there's nothing else we can do, huh, Stone? Well, there's six million combinations on a dial. No, there's nothing else we can do. I hung up the phone and just sat there. I wanted to die quick and easy. What was I going to do now? How was I going to be able to go on living as though nothing had happened? I was just as much of a murderer as that crazy husband. How could I be so stupid? Why didn't I ask for a number? Why didn't I? Yeah? Mr. Stone? Yes? Uh, this is Dr. Bechtel's nurse, Mr. Stone. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad I got you. It's all right. Uh, what's all right? I was able to locate Dr. Bechtel just after you called. You what? Uh, he knew the address of the studio, all right, and he got there in plenty of time. We're sending Swarry to a sanitarium for treatment. And, uh, the girl? Oh, she's fine. I had to give her a sedative, though. Well, uh, that's why she didn't call herself. But all's well, it ends well, like they say. Oh, uh, you know what I've been doing the last 15 minutes, waiting for her call? I'm half nuts myself. I'm ready for a straitjacket. Uh, but, Mr. Stone... Why didn't you call me right away? But, Mr. Stone, I've been trying. Your line's been busy. <laughs> Yep, that's uh, what's called learning a lesson the hard way. The lesson being that ivory towers went the way of hoop skirts and 60-cent stakes. Nope, there's no escaping from the world. We're all tied together for better or worse, whether we like it or not. And no matter how well you lock your windows and bar your door, the dreams and the fears and the hopes of all your fellow men are still no farther away than your fingertips. Oh, no, no, I won't answer. Uh-uh, no, no, I, I, I can't. Oh, well, what's the use? Yeah, 
Listen, I want to speak to Marge. Oh, shut up. Oh, you know something? Next month I may decide not to pay my phone bill. Copy... Oh, no, what am I doing? You're listening to Night Beat on the Wheaties' Big Parade. Oh, Frank, Frank Lovejoy. Yeah. Uh, how do you like that slogan we've got for Wheaties? Oh, you mean that one about uh, 7 and 11? Yeah, you know. See how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11. Well, I think it's swell. How'd you happen to think of it? Well, can you keep a secret? Oh, silent Frank, they call me. Shoot. Well, the other morning, I missed my Wheaties. Imagine. <laughs> and I tell you, Frank, by 11 o'clock, I felt like I'd been put through the ringer. I was worn to a frazzle. Well, that just goes to show you. You know it. It certainly convinced me that if you eat Wheaties at 7, you get the energy you need to help you feel good right on to lunchtime. Oh, so you thought up, see how Wheaties at 7 can help at 11, hmm? Well, no wonder they call you the Wheaties man. <laughs> That's right, Frank. Good night. Night. Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and written by Larry Marcus with music by Frank Worth. The part of the girl was played by Lorene Tuttle. Others in tonight's cast were Catherine Card, Barbara Dupar, Bill Lally, Peter Leeds, and Jay Novello. Frank Lovejoy will next be seen in Milton Sperling's production, Three Secrets, released by Warner Brothers. Listen next week and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen also Tuesday, that's tomorrow night, to the Penny Singleton Show on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. Now you can hear the first piano quartet on NBC. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. I have to admit... With all of the drama and tension in that episode, the final line from the doctor's receptionist about the phone being busy just cracked me up. And this is a can be a bit of a challenging episode for listeners who can't relate to the times. Uh, whenever you write about modern technology, whether it's uh, cell phones or fax machines, the show can become very dated as technology changes because it has been changing so rapidly. And it can be a little hard to relate to that. Uh, I think all of my life, uh, we've always had a phone. 
Uh, we had a party line, I think, ever so briefly. And uh, phones were becoming ubiquitous. But uh, there were listeners to the original broadcast who could remember when uh, they didn't have a telephone or they were in areas where people didn't have telephones as a general uh, rule. Uh, and so, in many ways, the age of telephones, it's kind of like uh, the Internet. And, and I guess while uh, this episode is very different, it's... In many ways, it's not because the big concern, and there were several radio plays that were done on this whole idea. Um, long, uh, uh, long Distance was another one that uh, they did for uh, Radio City Playhouse. And the simple idea is that when our technology that we have adopted and has become so important to our lives when we need it the most the trivialities the bugs in the system the flaws and the limitations of that technology are going to hinder us from actually being able to use it and that's the big fear behind this uh, episode and the big source of tension is that drunks dialing the wrong number survey companies calling charities dialing are getting, going to get in the way of the simple fact that he needs to keep the phone line open for this woman to call or else call the police. I did think it was kind of odd that Randy kept coming back to this idea wondering if she were prank calling him when he was the one who had called her. And what does it say about Randy Stone that with 10 million phone numbers he could have called, he got the one with the woman in the life and death situation? And we know what the odds of that are. About 10 million to one. But that's our Randy. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Jeff Regan. And then next Monday, another episode of Nightbeat. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.